Hi, welcome to the show. We're back with an all-action episode today. We've got all the regulars with us. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Ahmed. Hi, Francis. How's it going, lads? Hi. Hi, Zane. I'm well. Hope everybody's doing well, gentlemen. Nice to see the three faces again. Thanks, Zane. Yeah, everything's going well. Um, see, season's over now. Looking forward to, to the start of next season already. Uh, good to catch up on this season. Hey, Zane. Everything's great. Uh, still enjoying beautiful Africa. Um, looking forward to the new season already. And uh, I think uh, the Scots have already started or something like that. So football's back. Football never stops in the world we're in. And honestly, we've got so much to get into in this show. Coming up later, we have an interview with former Bafana Bafana star Dalron Buckley, who talks about how he is considering leaving South Africa because he believes he's being sidelined as he's seen as a threat because of his success in Europe. Also, to bring some levity to the show, we have a light-hearted interview with the one and only Peter Osaze Odomwingi. He recounts some of his favorite football memories, including his Michael Jackson impersonation skills, which, if you stick around for the entire show, you might see Francis, Courtney, Ahmed, and myself have a go at singing. But first up, we wanted to talk about who won the English Football Writers Footballer of the Year Award. That saw Liverpool's Jordan Henderson take top honours. It's fair to say a few eyebrows were raised because he certainly isn't the best player in the league, let alone for champions Liverpool. So to get some valuable perspective, we asked the award-winning football writer and broadcaster, Darren Lewis, to give us his assessment. Jordan Henderson's been an excellent ambassador for Liverpool this season. He's been outstanding on the pitch. He's been outstanding off it. You only have to look at his leadership in organising the uh, Players Together initiative where the 20 captains all came together to make their own contribution to the NHS. And Jordan does a lot of work, selfless work, away from the pitch that maybe too few people know about. It is an interesting debate around the footballer of the year, the football writer's footballer of the year, because it is, as written in the description of the award and what, what it's for, it is about what you do on the pitch and off the pitch. So it is a, a very fascinating debate because there are a lot of other players who do a lot of things off the pitch as well that people don't know about. Uh, and a lot that people do know about. But if you look at, for example, Trent Alexander-Arnold and his leadership in the whole issue subsequent to George Floyd and his bid to raise awareness around that. If you look away from Liverpool, uh, clubs like Manchester United, where Marcus Rashford has made that contribution to free school meals for kids around the country who would otherwise go hungry this summer, Look at Mark Noble and his quiet contributions to charity from the work that he does away from the pitch. And Troy Deeney as well. Any number of players up and down the country. Wilfred Zaha, if you look at the fact that he is campaigning very strongly to make the internet and social media safe for the people who want to use it without being racially abused or harassed there are a lot of players who are doing good work this season away from the pitch if you look at on the pitch I went for Virgil van Dijk I think if you take van Dijk out of Liverpool's football team 
then they don't win as many games as they would do with him in it. I think he's one of only a small number to have played every minute of every game for the champions. Virgil van Dijk is a Rolls Royce of a footballer. Everything he does just looks so effortless, but he's an outstanding leader as well. And for me, if you take Virgil van Dijk out of Liverpool and put him into any team in the top six, he would improve their position exponentially. I think he is a player who could play for any team in world football right now. And I'm not quite so sure that we we appreciate what we have here in the Premier League in Van Dijk. As I say, these are small margins and to to talk him up would in no way whatsoever be to decry Jordan Henderson. When he got the award, he passed it around the team. He said it was for the team, so I can understand that. I just think for me, if you were to put a gun to my head and pick one player that's really stood out from that Liverpool team, for all the goals that were scored, all that drive from midfield, it's organisation at the back that provides the platform for the players further forward to go ahead and express themselves. And I, 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 I believe that Virgil van Dijk has provided that organisation. <laughs> Great to hear that perspective from Darren, one of the most respected football journalists in the United Kingdom and somebody who actually votes for that award. I'm sure we all have our own thoughts. Let's go around the braai. Let's open up this debate. Who'd like to get stuck in first? Darren's perspective of, of who he selected, absolutely um, not. I, I hear his train of thought. I think it's a fantastic choice. Uh, the Jordan Henderson one is a very tricky one. I don't agree with it personally. But everything positive that he mentioned about Jordan Henderson, I agree. My player of the year is a player that didn't come to Liverpool in his current capacity. Uh, Came with a huge transfer fee three years back. Uh, Wasn't hitting the statistics that were being hit. And we we then lose one of our most influential players to Barcelona. And then we start thinking, where are we going to go now? We, We need someone to pick up this mantle and bring the team back into that juggernaut status. And there comes Sadio Mane from absolutely nowhere. A player, when he was at Southampton, was looked at as a bit part, maybe not a serious contender. But Sadio Mane has, has come to Liverpool, improved. He hasn't come as a Rolls-Royce. I would say he came more of a BMW and has become a Rolls-Royce. An absolute First name on the sheet player cannot not be there. His effort in the team as well is phenomenal. You'll find him in defense doing a fantastic job when needed and on counter-attack blistering. That was my player of the year. A guy that changed games for us this season. Now, what I will add with Sadio is that, if I'm correct, 18 of his goals resulted in 18 points for Liverpool this season one of the most influential in the Premier League and certainly the most influential goals per points at Liverpool. What I will also say about him is if you're looking at somebody who does charity work, this is a man who builds hospitals, schools, and provides an income to the impoverished in Senegal. This is a man who not only produces it on the pitch, but he does it off the pitch too. And for me, Courtney, I'm in total agreement. It's got to be Sadio Mane. Francis Ahmed? Who who do you guys have top in your list? Um, on my uh, list, there's only the one. Um, you could call it my African bias, but I think 
the stats and facts speak for themselves. Courtney put it perfectly. What Sadio Mane has been for for Liverpool this season and for the last three years, when you actually think of the fact that he was a right winger before, converted to replace Coutinho out left, uh, in spite of the conversations or the insinuations around his misunderstandings with Salah and and yet they have this ability to play beautiful football. Uh, when he has the ball, he makes things happen. Um, but I'm looking at Liverpool because they're champions. Um, and I'm celebrating what he does off the pitch as well. Like like you rightly put it, Zane, he's the character of the man as well is something to be respected. Um, so on and off the pitch, I think he takes the box. Now, if we were talking exclusively on the pitch, this is really hard for me. Liverpool, I, I, as a United fan, I struggle giving them praise. But then my play of the season was actually a Manchester City player in Kevin De Bruyne, um, whom I think he matched uh, Terry Henry's stats for assists this season or something. Should have actually passed him because one of his assists wasn't given. I don't know why, but... um. I think for the age of the player and the type of football this young man plays, it's when we talk about the players who will step up to replace the Messi's and the Ronaldo's, for me, I put him in the same bracket because I think you surround him with talent and he still stands head and shoulders above all others. It's not a small team he's playing in. So to be noticed at his age and do what he does in that team, he is one of those players like... Kind of like what Darren was saying, I think he would play for any big club and make that big club better. Um, so for me, 2020, if we were allowed to pick a player who wasn't playing for the champions, it'd be Kevin De Bruyne for me. Yeah, I mean, um, I think uh, this actually was one of the points I was you know, going to raise in the sense that why does the winner have to be from the champions? Um, if you look at the best player it, this season, it has been Kevin De Bruyne in terms of pure footballing ability. Now, we don't know what he does off the field um, and he might be doing a lot of stuff, but it's all about you know the media and, and how they publicise a lot of the work that's done. Kevin De Bruyne might be doing a lot of things back in Belgium, we don't, we don't know. Um, but then this kind of is, is you know one of the questions of life is you know, how do you weigh off the field and on the field? Because to me, um, yes, Henderson's done a lot off the field, but he's really not, for me, done that much. You know, he's not been their star player by f at all. He'd probably not even be in the top six Liverpool players this season. Um, I look, if you look at Liverpool, I think in terms of, for me personally, I, I actually think Trent Alexander um, was had an amazing season. Most assists for any defender. Uh, even just his playing style, how he takes away two the whole left side. When you, Liverpool already have an advantage when he plays because two of their opposition players are having to mark him on that on that uh, on his right side. Um, Mane as well. So if, and if you look at overall, Mane has probably got the the best you know, on the field and off the field. So um, I mean, I, I just don't, don't see how Henderson won it at all. Uh, I really don't. Um, so for me, if you're going to pick a Liverpool player, I'd pick Trent Alexander. But if you're going to pick a player overall who's been the best this season. Um, it would be Kevin De Bruyne. But then I do understand you have to include off-the-field stuff. So if you were going to include off-the-field stuff, then Mane. So it's a three-player three answer. Sorry if I may. I just want to add another qualifying factor for Kevin De Bruyne. Could pass for a Burundian if he needed to. 
So he even has African connections. So that's probably why he's doing as well as he's doing. It's that African flavor that's in his blood somewhere. He may be blonde and blue-eyed, but he could get a Burundian passport if he needed. Ask his mom. Is that confirmed, Francis, or is that just uh, lighthearted? No, 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 it, it is. I, I think that his mom um, grew up, was born and grew up in Burundi. I think oh. her dad was working out there or something like that. So, okay, it's not a connection directly with him, but hey, technically, you know, we, we are people who uh, we, we assimilate. <laughs> this is the perfect topic to sit around the braai. Get your meat on and just keep talking about because everyone's going to have an opinion. Everyone's going to have an assessment. And that's what we love about the question. So listeners out there all over the world, whether you're in Ghana, whether you're in North America, whether you're in Slovenia, because that's where some of our listeners come from. Tell us what you think. If you could vote, whose name would you write on the ballot? Would it be Mane? Would it be De Bruyne? Would it be Henderson? Would it be Allison? You let us know. We're open to hearing from you. We want to hear from you. Blow us up on our social media accounts at OTW underscore podcast on Twitter and Instagram or join our Facebook group on The Whistle Podcast. We really do want to hear from you. But now, as we move into the next segment of the show, we have a portion of a wide-ranging interview that Courtney did with former Bafana star Dalron Buckley. Courtney, when you caught up with him, how did it go? Zane, it was just fantastic to catch up with Ron, who, besides a footballer or anything, is just a good friend that I know. A, a fantastic, fantastic guy, uh, but who was also exceptional at football. And it was just enjoyable to talk about his career, his past, what he's currently doing, and what is his um, thoughts for the future around his career, and also the links he has with with Salford and Manchester United. A very interesting conversation that I enjoyed tremendously. Yeah, and we're going to release an extended interview uh, with Dalron in future episodes. But in the interview portion coming up now, I know he spoke to you, Courtney, about the Bafana role. He spoke to you about some of his struggles um, to get work in South Africa. And he also um, referenced there were some racist allegations against him. Yes, uh, he's very downhearted by being tainted with the brush of of being a racist. Um, this is something that hurt him tremendously, and he feels it's also hurt his future job prospects within the country. And um, he was very disappointed by that. But he says it's not going to stop him wanting to move forward. Um, he spoke about being very qualified in a country where people get jobs that are not as qualified by him. And maybe his status and his qualifications are intimidating. A real gentleman, but very similar when talking and humble, like when we spoke to Chris Hewton not so long ago. Um, knowledgeable, but humble as well. Now, Courtney, before we go into the interview, for the purposes of our listeners all over Africa and around the world, are you able to put into context some of the racial constructs and categories we have in South Africa so people will understand uh, what he's talking about. Now, uh, yes, I can. And these are not my beliefs because I believe we are all the same and we are uh, people that we just get along. We're humanists. We accept everybody. But during the apartheid era, uh, the South African government 
gave the country, uh, broke the country into four race categories. There were blacks, coloreds, Indians, and whites. Uh, this is how the country wanted to govern the people at that time. And we were just segregated. So um, Daryl uh, makes reference to that within the interview. Um, some of the words that he brings up um, in the interview is almost a slang term for colored people, which is brainos. And uh, But this was all created by the South African government at the time. And of course, for those out there, colored is anybody who is of mixed or dual heritage. So that is the racial categorization in South Africa. Courtney, let's have a listen to uh, this uh, first portion of your interview with Dalron, where you started asking him if somebody like Benny McCarthy should be leading Bafana Bafana with a team of ex-pros who've achieved success in Europe. Take a listen to this. You know, Benny has proved it. You know, Benny has a, UA, he has a pro license. So he has two licenses more than I have. I have a UEFA B license. And he proved it in South Africa when he came to coach uh, Cape Town City. In two years, I think he won two trophies. So it shows the quality of his intelligence of being a coach. Where you have other coaches in this PSL, they've been here for years, but even, they, even have, they haven't even won a glass of water. Yeah. But they're still coaching. And then when you ask them for their coaching badges, they probably have a CAF C, CAF, uh, CAF D license, which with such a license, you'll never ever be able to coach at third division in Germany. Yeah, but this is the way the cookie crumbles in South Africa. But or or, or the un, the the age old story. I've got experience. I got experience exactly, and I and I've seen it. I've seen it one and a half years when I when, when I was at Amazulu. You would swear these guys invented the game. Honestly, you just sit there and you laugh. Yeah. So so. So let's come back to Dialron. You let's come back to your career now. You you come back to South Africa. Yeah. What is your intention? You you carrying a a bag suitcase of knowledge, basically. Okay. <laughs> well, you come back into yeah. South Africa. Uh, what were you looking to do towards the tail end of your career? Okay. Well, I wasn't meant to stay in South Africa. To be honest with you. I came in 2012 to finish off my career, which I was signed by Marisburg United. Uh, I had two good years. It was my first season where Marisburg United, they, they bloomed, you know. We had a very good season. Even there were teams like Kaiser Chiefs and Pirates who escaped to play against us. That's how strong we were. And then in 2014, of course, my contract uh, was finished and I had a back problem, so I couldn't continue. Because my back, my back was giving me problems. And then I wanted to go back to Germany. But of course, I'm married to a German woman. She fell in love with the country and she loves South Africa. So we decided to stay. So women decided to stay. I managed to fly back and forth to Germany, do my coaching badges. And then after, in 2016, I got a job at Amazulu. Yeah. As the the head coach for the second team and then I was there for six months and in that period of six months I pushed up at least six to seven young talented players into the first team which these players have professional contracts at the moment playing for Amazulu but it maybe one or two have probably left Amazulu and 
in the six months when I was the Lunga, the CEO, you saw the quality that I have, that I have an eye for players. So what he did, he wanted me to be the bridge in between the first team and uh, well, the, the development for me to push players through. And you know, Courtney, the thing is that it was very hard because I had, I, I, was, work, I, I was working with people that were backstabbing me 24 seven. People going to the CEO and telling the CEO that I'm racist. Can you believe it? Anyway, it got to such a situation where um, Lunga, well, the CEO Lunga decided to make me the second, the, the second head uh, assistant coach for the first team. But that with me, where you with a UEFA B license and the head coach had a Cafe A license, so I was more qualified than him. And believe it or not, every morning I was giving him training sessions for him to train the team. Every single morning, because he couldn't train the team. He knew nothing. Yeah. So I would come, uh, give him a training session, explain to him how you're going to do it, and then he would take it and use it. Yeah. And every, <laughs> that's how it was. And all of us, and okay, and then I was there for, a few, well, actually a few months. And then what happened was, is, um, sorry, Dalron, who is this coach? Please tell me. <laughs> I, I who don't is know. the coach? Basically, the passenger was driving then, the car. <laughs> the passenger driving the car. <laughs> I don't want to mention any names, seriously, because he was a nice. He was a nice guy, honestly. He was a really down-to-earth, nice coach. But you know, I have to be honest. He was clueless about football, and Amazulu gave him the job. He was the head coach. Yeah. And anyway, yeah, and then so on. What happened was. Um, what happened was is that they could see that my knowledge was too much for them and they were scared I was, I was going to take their job. So again, it was this back and forth thing, Corey, you cannot believe. So then Lunga, the CEO, calls me and tells me, you need to go back to the second team because they need you there uh, as the head coach. So I said, fine, not a problem. Huh? You're the boss. So I went back to the second team. To play in the Vodacom, well, it was called the, I think it's the Vodacom League or the, the Vodacom League, league. Yes. Vodacom, yeah. And then I was forced, I was forced to use coaches, system coaches, which I didn't want. Yeah, because I said to him on one condition, if you make me the head coach, I want my own assistant coach, my own fitness coach to come in. Yeah, which he agreed. But when I became the head coach, he brought in someone else. Yeah, but I didn't complain because I can work at it with anyone. But these guys behind my back, Courtney, you cannot believe. Because what happened, I had a good mixture of team. I had colored boys. I had Indian boys. I had all black boys. I had white boys. It was a good mixture of a team. It was just my technical team that were putting shit into these players' heads, fighting against each other because of color. And it got to such a terrible, terrible argument where I had more meetings with the CEO in his office than me being on a pitch and training the team. Because these guys go behind my back and tell the CEO, yeah, he's, uh, he's not playing this player, he's not playing that player. And these players are not playing or the, or what so-called black players. 
And when, when they would call me into the office, he would ask me why are these players not playing. So I would tell him they're not doing the business because these other two guys are doing the business. And when I'm playing, you know, the, um, what I do is that I analyze my opposition team on how they play. So I need the perfect players for this system I'm going to play to beat this team that I've analyzed. You know, it'll be totally different. You can't, you can't have two playmakers in the midfield if you're playing against a team that, that counterattacks one way. So I had to change it. But these guys came, of course, they pull out the racist card. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, I got an email to say, uh, please don't come back to work. We're putting you on a holiday leave. You've been accused for being racist to players and employees. So then, <laughs> go ahead, please go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, listen to this. Yeah, and I couldn't believe it. I was shocked to read this email. Yeah? I mean, in, in I'm I'm, a, I'm mixed. I've everything. I've black. I've Indian. I've colored. I've white. You name. I've everything inside. I've Italian. I've British. I've every single thing. And I'm sitting. I'm reading this email. I couldn't believe it. But I. Calm down. They need, I didn't do anything. I left them because that same day they were, uh, Amazulu was playing. So two days later, I gave that to my to my lawyer, and then my lawyer sent uh, Amazulu email for for footage on where I was racist and so on and so on. Believe it or not, Courtney, these guys did not reply for three months. My lawyer was sending emails. Almost every single day, we need footage, please. Huh? Because I still had a two-year contract. Yeah. And then what happened after three months, I knew how this whole system works. And then they know exactly how it works. All right? So I, so I went to my lawyer and I said, you know what? Do this. Write them an email and tell them I'm prepared to cancel my contract, but they must give me three months of my, of my salary. And I said to them, I guarantee you, they'll reply to you and say yes. And that's what he did. Send him an email. Same day, they replied, "Yeah, we cancel it. Cancel, and we, we give him three months of his salary." Where I had two years on my contract, and they accused me of something which they couldn't prove. Yeah. Do, do you feel that that's a pitiable story? Um, do you feel? Well, you are touching on it there as well. That that is an obstacle and a huge obstacle for young upcoming coaches in South Africa, the, the, the race issue. It's something that is slowing down progressive guys like yourselves getting top jobs. Well, I think so. To be honest with you, through my situation, what I went through, I think so, definitely. Yeah, just a pity on these things that are happening. You know, I'm, I'm a strong guy. I've, I take it with a pinch of salt. I move on. If something happens, I'm moving. I'm not going to cry over uh, spilled milk. It happened. They accuse me of something. Can okay, I move on? You know, I don't. I don't burn my bridges. That's how. That's how I roll. But it's very really sad on how um, I was fired. On as I well, I just men mentioned to you, which is um, very hard sore for up as you say upcoming young coaches. Yeah? And it's, you know, it's, it's, and I'll be, I'll, I'll be direct with you, Cody. It's, it's very hard here. Yeah. I'm actually thinking of going back to Germany.
because through my qualification, I can't get no job here. You know, this this is the thing that baffles me, and and you you touched on this a bit earlier about people being in jobs unqualified, people being in jobs with just experience and 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 not having the wealth of knowledge you have. Um, are you looking at jobs in the PSL below the PSL? How how far are you spreading your net? Because if you with your qualification, you you're not just have the experience of Europe, you have the qualifications of Europe as well. You cannot be lost to our grassroots level. You know, I spread my wings so far that I actually, actually, just for me, just to, to, to keep my practice going of coaching, that I coached a team called Cavaliers, a winter team. Yeah? Coach a team called Cavaliers, and they played in the Motepe League, third division, third division league, just for me to keep my practice. Yeah, I sent my CV all over. Uh, uh, Mike McCobb was my agent. He contacted Supersport. He contacted uh, Chipper United. He contacted all the clubs, but no one was interested. Yeah. And my feeling is that I think that us players that have made overseas and won trophies and have a big name are probably threats to, to these clubs. That's why they don't want to sign us on this club. Well, actually, at these clubs, they, they think we are a threat, but we're not. We're no threat to no club. We want to help the club ha have success. I don't have someone that's highly qualified that can build a house for me, which is going to stand. Then someone has not qualified and will build a house for you and will fall in two days' time on your head. So you've touched, that's so true. I agree with you 100%. That's so true. You've touched on you, what you're currently thinking about, moving back to Germany. Is that something definite or are you in a transitional period? What do you think you want your next move to be? Well, you know, at the time now in South Africa, it's, it's very bad. I tell you, you know, I don't know if you, if you know, we have three, 3 million unemployed people that happened over the past three months. Three million people that have become unemployed. Restaurants are closing down. Yeah? Uh, I'm a Zulu. Well, I, I, why I'm saying I'm a Zulu? Because it's the team from KZN. I'm a Zulu are actually cutting players' wages because they can't afford to pay the players anymore. That was former South African international Dalron Buckley talking to our very own Courtney Fries. That full interview will drop in the not-too-distant future. Now, to get some analysis on this, we're joined by award-winning South African football journalist, Lawrence Collar, a man who spends his time specializing in African football, covering Bafana Bafana, along with the PSL for Kickoff International. Thanks for joining us today, Lawrence. Where in the world are you? Thanks, Zane, for that uh, auspicious Welcome. Um, I'm very honored to be on, on the Whistle podcast, been a big fan, watching from afar. Right now, I'm just chilling at my home here in Cape Town, and I'm glad to be on the panel with you guys. Thank you. And uh, Lawrence has come in, and Francis Nkwena, sports media executive, has subbed out for this part of the show. Um, but Lawrence, you've listened to the interview with Dalron. Um, he says some really um, interesting things about South African football and his career. 
Um, and there's a lot that we can really sink our teeth into. So I'm going to open it up to the panel, um, who I'm sure have lots of questions that they'll want to fire off to you. Given you know South African football as intimately as you do, um, we'd love to hear some perspective and context from you. I think from my perspective, I'm, you know, I'm not sort of too familiar with, with his, his career um, and his managerial career, but what has his reputation become in South Africa? Because you know, he would, I see, you know, he was a, uh, played for a number of clubs in in Germany and relatively big clubs, so he's obviously a top player. And then what what has his reputation now become, and how is he viewed by the, in, in South Africa? Look, um, with all South African players, when you talk reputation, you're talking about the masses um, of South African fans and South African media. Obviously, um, in that respect, I think a lot of South African who play abroad, like in Europe, like Tauron played in Germany, played in Switzerland and stuff like that. Um, they are disrespected in a sense if they are not televised on our TV screens. Um, not people, not many people are aware of the achievements. Not people are aware of the sacrifices that they have to go through. They are not considered as superstars who are in the public eye of South African. They, they, they don't have that celebrity status of, let's say, a Kaiser Chiefs player or an Orlando Pirates player. Um, and that's simply because they're not in the media. So the general perception of Buckley would be people understand that he's a great player. They understand that he's a talented player, but they don't worship him in the same way as, let's say, a local player like let's say Dr. Kumala, for example. Um, I wouldn't say that he has a bad reputation with any fans. He's, he's, he's always been somebody that's well-liked, well-respected. You know, he, he, did, he mentioned, he obviously was a coach at Amazulu and he was um, well, assistant coach and he was helping the coach very regularly who seemed to kind of describe as, you know, if we're not the, the best coaches. Who, who do you think he was discussing there? You know, who, who, who's that manager that he was talking about? Look, um, and the coach he might have been referring to was Joey Antipas. He was um, basically this Zimbabwean guy. He um, had absolutely no qualifications. And he got the job after winning the league. He did a Leicester City-like fairy tale story in the Zimbabwean League with a team called Chicken Inn. So this guy has no qualifications. He wins the league. He gets into the CAF Champions League. And I think he had a monster... Uh, he, he produced a monster tactical masterclass in the CAF Champions League. I'm, I'm not 100% certain, but I think it was against the biggest team in the country, which was Kaiser Chiefs at the time. When you do that, your stock immediately rises. And um, I think Amazulu failed to secure promotion in their first season. So they opted for Antipas. It's like one of those, let's give this guy a chance type of thing. Um Clearly, they didn't do their due diligence because if they hired this guy without any qualifications and just off the back of just doing something well, then that's absolutely horrific management from the hierarchy of Amazulu. And um, to hear Buckley say those things, alleged things about this manager, um, I would feel the exact same way. Um, imagine you working under somebody who doesn't have the qualifications of you, the experience of you, mm -hmm. and... Um, if you do, if he does well, takes the credit for the things that you do. Lawrence, we just want to tie into his time at Amazulu uh, and while being the manager 
or the assistant manager at the time, he was plagued by these allegations of racism. I can't see how somebody like Dauron Buckley can be racist. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, what, what could have possibly went down there? Perhaps he, he, he chose like a few players of color or left a few, play, a few players of color out. And that was an alleged racism incident. Nobody can tell what actually happened there. Now, I will come in there because we've actually contacted Amazulu for comment on Dalron's allegations that he was suspended uh, due to allegations of racism uh, from technical staff and players. And Amazulu's spokesperson, Brilliant Makatini, told me, and I quote here, Dalron didn't leave because of anything reported about or alleged to have been leaning towards racism. There was a breakdown in the relationship with him and then members of the technical team. His departure was more as a result of a breakdown of working relationships with colleagues he was assigned with and that it also unfortunately somehow spiraled down to the players. So that is Amazulu's official comment. Look, I can completely understand um, if there was a breakdown in the relationship. But for me, if you're the person fired, why would you bring the racism into it? You know what I mean? What? You, you would want to keep the racism out of it if you were fired. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't make sense. Like, the person who's fired is saying there's racism and the person and the, and the club is saying there's no racism. It, it's supposed to be the other way around. So there's definitely something fishy there. Lawrence, we've loved having you on. Thank you for your perspective. Um, for those out there listening to you who want to follow you on social media, what platforms can they reach you on and, and what are your respective handles? Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and I'm on Facebook. On Facebook and Instagram. Now, Facebook, I'm Lorenz Kohler. Um, I have a like page there. Instagram, it'll be Kohler Lorenz, K-O-H-L-E-R. L-O-R-E-N-Z and on Twitter I'm at Lorenz K-O um, it was a pleasure speaking to you guys as always very engaging I, I just I just love the topics and I love the knowledge that you guys also bring individually from your respective corners and works of life and I thoroughly enjoyed being part of this today thank you brother anytime you want to come on you know where we are all the best. Enjoy Thanks, Cape Town. Awesome. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much. No, yes, nice yeah. speaking to you guys. Now, to end the show on a lighter note, we have a short, quirky interview with former Premier League and Nigerian forward Peter Osaze Odomwingi. Peter talks about some of his favorite memories, and you're in for a real treat. He gives us a rendition of one of the football initiation songs he sung many times. It's a Michael Jackson classic. Here's my interview with him. Enjoy. Why do you love football? Uh, the excitement it brings uh, for the fans when uh, somebody wins a trophy or scores a goal. Which is your favorite city in the whole world to visit and play football in and why? Uh, to Favorite city? And play football and why? Um, I always enjoyed playing for Nigerian national team. So let's say Abuja National Team Stadium, Super Eagles match. What was your most memorable football initiation? And what song did you sing? 
initiation um you will want to say the first one but i will say the one i did in uh, in stoke uh when i moved from cardiff to stoke and i sang uh michael jackson beat it can you give us a quick rendition just beat it beat it beat it beat it no one wants to be defeated <laughs> <laughs> i love that it's far better than my singing um Who's one person you can't go a day without calling or test or texting? A day. Uh, it will be my wife, obviously, because, you know, kids, three kids, uh, family life, check on them. You know, how's everyone doing? Why are you proud to be African? Uh, first word that will come, it's a happy continent. You know, it's a happy, con- beautiful continent. It's beautiful. It's happy. Uh, vibrant, uh, with a lot of human touch. Yeah. Who's your favorite player of all time and why? Uh, it's a really difficult question. You know, when you t- think about Ronaldinho, Messi, Ronaldo, but I give it to the, uh, the Lima, Ronaldo, the first Ronaldo, the Brazilian, because he was a combination of raw strength with very with finesse in the technique. So, Ronaldo. You and Jose Mourinho agree then. Um, who was the best player you played with? Uh, with? With? Um, of course, played with a lot of quality players, but um, talent-wise, uh, you know, you have JJ comes first. Probably you had great players, Yakubu, Martins, uh, Kanu. There were like uh, lots of great players. I'm just going to pick from a national team. I'll say JJ because everybody knows his talent. Uh, he could do more with that talent, but even without doing a lot, like playing in the top teams in the world, winning trophies, everybody still recognize him as elite with the talent. So let's give it to JJ. Who doesn't love JJ Okocha? Final question, Peter. <coughs> How would you like to be remembered one day? Uh, well, as a, uh, as a guy with a smile that loved people and just appreciated life. He runs, he scores. We love Peter Osaza Odomwingi. Thank you for the interview. Welcome, welcome, brother. Thank you, Zayn. <laughs> <laughs> That was Peter Osaza Odomwingi. All right, guys, I have one more question to ask you before we wrap this podcast up. What song would each of you sing if we were having our On The Whistle initiation right now? As the host, I'll put my hand up. I would say I would sing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air song. You know, uh, West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playgrounds where most of my days, chilling out, Max and relaxing. That would be my song. That would be my song. Like, like, what would you guys say? Why, why is it, give, us, give us some reasoning behind that, Zane. So many years ago, Ahmed, I was on a show called Survivor South Africa. And when I went for one of the editions, it's a reality TV show, and they asked me to sing a song, and I'm tone deaf. And the only thing that I could think of was the Fresh Prince's song, and I sang it, and I got on the show. So that's your good luck, man. So I gotta go. That's my go-to. If he joins the team, he's going to be the Fresh Prince of Stoke-on-Trent, Fresh Prince of Barcelona, (laughs) the Fresh Prince. (laughs) 
<laughs> but go on. Who wants the next? What, what what would you sing, Ahmed? Oh, I, I'm, I've got a, um yeah. I'm I'm not very good at singing. Um, like you, so I. I want to go for a song where it doesn't involve a lot of tones, a lot of pitches, nothing like that. Um, and it's Crazy by Niles Barkley. The reason for this as well is because whenever I used to play football, everyone would liken me to uh, Bentner, Adebayor. Uh, to, Wait, to they'd like you to Bentner and Adebayor? Yeah. What are you talking so, about? That's, that's a mix, that... mate. That's a mix. No, tall, tall strikers... Eccentric, loud, probably not the best at that, you know. But just... and Adebayo. <laughs> show us your, show you us your boxes. Adebayo show us your boxes. Well, yeah, I mean, I might get some sponsorship before I do that first. But uh, you know, and they, they were at their time a bit crazy, and that's why I'd go for Crazy by Miles Barkley. I think you're crazy. I'm I'm gonna, you got to, you got to hit some bars. You got to hit some oh, bars. Okay. So I, I, remember, I do the start, which is, I remember when, I remember, I remember when I lost my mind. <laughs> that, that's what I want to go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I have respect for you there, Ahmed. Courtney, yeah. Courtney, you were in a team. What song did you sing? Did you sing a Zulu song? Is it Gosa, English, Afrikaans? What, what, what would you sing? Let me just say this to you, Zayn. If you don't know old school, and you don't have old school in your life, your life is lacking. You know, I'm going to talk to you about a group, a group of four guys, similar to us, Earth, Wind and Fire, you know? Wow, you're rolling it back, please. Loves holiday, you know? You can just hear it in the back. I'm telling you, if you don't know old school, Zane, you are lacking, man, you know? I can just hear it. Would you mind if I'd love, if I kiss, if I held you tight in the morning light? Would you mind if I tell you how I feel tonight? I think you're in the wrong uh, industry. <laughs> I think so too. I'm wow, telling you, I think I was made to that song. Wow, I love that. Yeah, Courtney, that is impressive. pretty good. I think it's one of those moments in, in football initiations where they want to take the piss out of somebody singing, but they can't. I've got to applaud them for their qualities. <laughs> Honestly, man, I'm telling you, old school, man. Come on. Old school. Francis. I mean, this is a pretty tough act Ooh. to follow, right? Yeah, I'm not even trying to follow him, to be honest with you. I have the feeling like I'll be one of those like really bad teammates who comes up with all kinds of reasons for why he can't sing and why he shouldn't sing. And then I'd be like, can I recite you a poem or something <laughs> and throw down some Shakespeare? Francis, <laughs> then we would be the teammates going down, 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 down. <laughs> might have to be relegated. But me, I'm an Uncle Bob fan, personally. I, I absolutely love Bob Marley. And um, so, I mean, I listen to a lot of Bob Marley tunes, and, 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 and I love the old school R&B, too. I'm a Red Groove fan. I love, like, uh, Barbara Streisand and some random kind of tracks. But I like No Woman, No Cry a lot. 
because I'd be trying to tell my teammates that don't worry about this. I'm not going to do a John Terry on any of you. <laughs> Yo. Well, 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 we're not going to go there, but we are going to ask you to drop some bars. Oh, Lord, seriously? I mean, like, everybody knows, like, no woman, no crime. Dum, 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 dum. No woman, no crime. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. I love it. Don't something like that. Don't I act sing a similar? Uh, don't they sing a Bob Marley song? They do sing a Bob Marley song. I can't remember which it is. Fun, yeah. Either way, guys, maybe we, when we have a meeting for real, when we meet in front of a live community, maybe around a bry. Maybe in a barbershop, maybe in Nando's. In Nando's, we have the karaoke and we do our own initiation with our community out there. And you know what I'm going to say to all the listeners out there? Why don't you tweet us? Why don't you message us on Instagram? Why don't you put a message in the Facebook group of the initiation song you want to, you would sing? At your football initiation why don't you drop some bars and in fact if you drop some bars we will find a way to get you a nando's meal or something close to it wherever you are in the world francis ahmed courtney thank you for an amazing show thank you for dropping those bars and um we'll see you around for the next show and to the listeners out there please do leave a rating or review that helps people find the show. Ciao for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>